Hey everybody, come on over here, it's the Northern Miner Podcast. Welcome to episode 118 of the Northern Miner podcast. I'm your host, John Cumming, the editor-in-chief of the Northern Miner. This week, we pick up on part two of our interview with Margaret Kent, also known as Peggy Whitty back in the day, and she is now the chairman of Stratabound Minerals, which is looking for gold up in the Yukon. But back in the early 1990s, Peggy was CEO of the large gold major Royal Oak Mines, which at one point was competing with Barrett Gold for Lac Minerals, and um, they had mines across Canada, including um, the giant mine in Yellowknife, and ones, well, basically coast-to-coast, the Kamas mine. There was the Windy Craggy deposit, which was expropriated by the B.C. government. So all kinds of issues. In this part of the interview, she goes into the Royal Oak quite a bit, as well as her own uh, business starting out as a consultant before Royal Oak. And she goes into some detail about her very productive business association with Ross Burns, who passed away a couple of years ago, as well as uh, some anecdotes about Briex uh, when they had a chance to buy into it. First, a shout out to the sponsors of the podcast. We have the Yukon Mining Alliance. They're a group of 17 mostly junior companies uh, exploring and developing projects up in the Yukon. They have a uh, terrific website, yukonminingalliance.ca where you can find all kinds of news on the mineral scene up there. They also have an excellent Twitter feed at at investyukon, all one word, so check that out. And our second sponsor is the Grosso Group out of Vancouver, led by entrepreneur Joe Grosso. And they have three public companies, all focused on mineral exploration and development in Argentina. You've got Argentina Lithium and Energy, looking for lithium, mostly up in the northwest corner of the country. Blue Sky Uranium, looking for uranium. And their precious metals vehicle, Golden Arrow Resources, which has uh, part of a uh, mine down there in the south. I'd also like to give a shout-out to our intern. In August, we had uh, Leon Zisman, who helped us with the editing on this one. So let's jump right back into the interview after this break. big supporters. We've always had big money in the deals. 
I mean, I even remember in the Royal Oak days, you know, I mean, I, how much stock did I buy at a quarter and 50 cents and a dollar and a dollar and a half, you know? And, and then I've always had eight, 10% of the companies and put my money where my money was. Because you said a list of all the, all the things you had, you know, you said you had a good nose for projects. I was just curious, which projects did you put into production and how many did you actually discover? Breakdown yeah. That stuff? Well, my experience—I I can do that. I, okay. My experience was in the Yukon. Basically, was I was a consultant to Archer Cathro for years. I put—I did the so first. I should know who that is. Oh, they—they were um, two mine developers that uh, had a number of projects in the Yukon. Some of them are just coming to fruition right now. I ran the first heap leach, test heap leach in the Yukon, 25 years ago, 30 years ago. And that was called. Ah, I've got to go back and remember the name. Let me, let me, let me okay. see if I can figure out the name of that one. And then, of course, uh, Colomac. Um, I put Colomac into production. But you didn't discover it. I did not discover okay. it. Okay, yeah. but picked it up as an exploration play. Okay. It had put it into production. Put it in production. It had been drilled since the 1940s. Okay. All right. Um, and when was that? That was in 1979, 1980. Okay. So it hadn't been drilled for 40 years. Okay. And then, of course, Giant Yellowknife. We yeah. bought Giant Yellowknife and Pamor from the Australians. Um, when they went through an insolvent, well, a soft, re soft restructuring process. So we actually ended up buying it from a bank. Um, Ollie Inden Lake, North Belt. Tai, we explored all those. Um, so we found ounces in these properties that are now owned by other people. So we can go through and 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 uh, Pine Point, of course, was in production, Kaminko. and which was Kaminko and my business partner used to work at Pine Point, who met the late Ross Burns, and he came to me and he says, "There's still." Lots of zinc in the ground, lots and lots of zinc in the ground. So we went in to put that into production. Um, look at Thor Lake, which is now Avalon, the Avalon Rare Earth Project. So that was a, a big discovery. So you guys found that? We, we, we found that from a development standpoint. And it never went into production, right? It never yeah. went. It's still there. I mean, they've, they've now changed focus to Separation Rapids, right? They're now in the lithium game. Okay. Yep. I mean, they're now in the flavor of the day, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and then Pamor was part of the giant Yellowknife purchase. We put Nighthawk Lake into production. Okay. Nighthawk Lake was just an exploration target, and we bought it and we explored and we drilled it off the lake and we put it into production. Is that NWT? No. This was the this is the Nighthawk Lake that's north of Pamor. Okay. Okay. And um, with that came the Hallnor, the whole Hoyle, um, the McIntyre, the Hollinger, the whole belt. I mean, we owned the whole belt. And those were all properties that had been explored in the 30s and the 40s. And had already been in production. Some of them had been in production. And so is what we did is we put many of them back into production and hauled the ore to the Pamor Mill. And then Metachewan. In Metachewan, yeah, well, we, we basically took what was a very, very grassroots play, and we drilled it off and developed Metachuan. And then it ended up being sold. We didn't discover it. There's very little that I actually discovered, okay. unless you talk about discovering it by going through old books. 
well, and saying, yeah, so I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, going through old books and seeing where the old prospectors had been and what they did, but lots of these I drilled off. We okay. drilled off, yeah. Okay. And Red Mountain, which is now, what, IDM, mm -hmm. I mean, that was nothing but a couple of, I don't even think there was a drill hole at Red Mountain, and we drilled it. We drilled it and we brought it along and... Uh, this was at three, four hundred dollar gold, five hundred dollar gold, and I just said, this thing will never be a mine. It's as steep as a cow's face. It'll never really be a mine. Look at it now. I mean, look at the, you know, look at the successes they've had in continuing to explore there. And Hope Brook, we bought the Hope Brook mine from BP, and it was shut down. We got it back into production. And, of course, Caribou we bought, you know, at the verge of the bankruptcy when Blue Note went insolvent. And Strange Lake, remember IOC had Strange Lake. I mean, yttrium, zirconium, all those metals that you could barely talk about. Well, at Wittek, I did all the work for Iron Ore Company of Canada on Strange Lake, and then they dropped it. And then my partner, Ross Burns, and I just staked it. All right, and now Strange Lake belongs to somebody else, and they're dr drilling their brains out, okay? <laughs> and then, of course, Windy Craggy, which, is, which was, is a very sad situation because it could be Canada's next beautiful, you know, copper project. But, of course, you know, it's a World Heritage Site now, and I still believe to this day there's a way that... that um, it can remain a World Heritage Site and, and mining can be done because of all the new water treatment technology. But as a business person who, by the way, I was criticized extensively by the industry, extensively by tech, I was criticized, well, why did you cut a deal with the NDP government? Why did you give it up? Why didn't you fight? And the problem is, is that you can have lawyers and you can fight and you can fight and you can fight and you can cut a deal and take money, $350 million and run with it and put it into infrastructure somewhere else in BC and develop another mount, another mine, which was Chemis. We had Chemis. We discovered Chemis North. And, you Did know, you discover Chemis? We, no, no. Chemis was a Hunter Dickinson, a Hunter Dickinson project. We bought it. Nobody else would touch it. And we bought it and we developed it and we put in the road and the power line and a 300-kilometer power line into Chemis. And Sigma Lamac was, you know, going, you know, that was the McWaters and going underground and, and going back to the archives that were all stored away up at, uh, up at Lamac and, and Valdor and going in the old archives and sifting through all the books and saying, hey, I think we've really got an underground operation here. You know, the old timers left a lot of stuff behind. And um, Sigma II which is now owned by somebody else. It got sold off and all the other Valdor properties. And then we took a little stint into the industrial minerals business and we bought Highwood Resources with the Barite project and Lethbridge and the silica projects in BC. And we were selling silica sand to Hawaii for golf courses and, and for the bunkers and the golf courses. And it was, uh, you know, and then I decided, well, maybe Canada's boring after all, so I should go to Peru for a while. And that was when you set up Century. That's when I set up Century, and then we did the San Juan deal in Peru, or outside of Camina, and then we made the bid for Shuindo, and we tried to get a hold of Shuindo, and in the meantime, remember, we bid for Lac Minerals against Barrick in the $2.2 billion bid and dismantled Lac, 
but ended up, Barrick ended up taking it. Then we've had tons of other situations. Uh, we, we were offered Briex at two bucks a share, and we turned it down because it smelled. I mean, my business partner, Ross Burns, flew to Toronto to look at the data room and called me up. And we were being offered a $25 million private placement, and we'd just come off the lack, off of the, uh, the lack takeover, and we were cashed up with $150 million in our treasury. And he went back to Toronto, and we had a couple of days to do due diligence, and he called me up, and he said, Peggy, he said, we can't invest. I said, why can't we invest? I said, this is the darling. He said, it smells. Is he a geo? Was he a geo? Yeah. He was the Kaminko geologist from, from uh, Pine Point, and then, well, he discovered Polaris. And, and, but he went back for me, and I said, no, 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 no. You know, you've flown overnight. Get some sleep. Go back into the data room tomorrow. Take a fresh look. This is the chance of a lifetime, okay, uh, to invest. Came back the next day, and he says, I don't know what it is. There's something about this whole thing, all of the assay logs and everything. It smells. Interesting. And we didn't invest. Did and he meet uh, Felderhoff? Was no, that who no. He just met the other guy, Jim. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he said, but he said he didn't care what anybody said. I mean, he was very, very good. And so is what he did was he, I had, I went to my board and I said, you can't invest because I can't get a sign off by my geos. They said, oh, we got to invest. We got to invest. I said, we're not going to invest. And so, so it was what he did is he came back to me. Ross came back to me. Ross was brilliant. Came back to me and he said, we got to buy into Boise Bay. <laughs> so I took that to my board and my board said, we're a gold company. We can't buy into Boise Bay. What year was that? Well, you're, what year was Briax? I mean, it must have been the 90s, yeah, in the 90s. We got to buy into Boise I mean, I remember him standing in front of my board of directors, ranting and raving and saying, we got to buy into Boise Bay. We got to take the money in our treasury. We got to put every dollar we can into Boise Bay. Oh, no, no, no. We should be buying Briax. He says, no, we're not buying Briax. I said, if you guys want to buy Briax, you can buy Briax, but I'm going to resign as a CEO. We're not buying Briax because my GO told me there's something funny wrong with it. Well, I almost got fired. I mean, I couldn't live it down until the day that it fell apart. And then people came back and said, well, if you knew it was bad, it was going to be, you know, sexy. So why didn't you buy in and get out? Well, you don't go by a controlling position into something and then down all of a sudden you become a disbeliever. I mean, you drink your own Kool-Aid. And that's the problem in this business is people drink their own Kool-Aid. You know, and that's my that's one of my favorite sayings now is I said, how much Kool-Aid are they drinking over there? You know, it's like herd mentality. It's herd mentality. Like if you're not in it, then you're missing out. You're missing out, and that's right. And then you buy in, even though you know better. So I never bought a share of Briex. Ross never bought a share of Briex. I know some of my employees bought Briex. I know that some of my board members bought Briex, but we never bought a share of Briex. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. And so after the whole thing fell apart, people came back to us and said, "How did you know?" And I remember Ross saying, well, when you look at drill logs, he says, I've been in this business long enough, that when you look at drill logs, and every assay on every foot is the same. The, the good earth isn't made that way. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. 
Okay, it never happens that way. Even in your big porphyry deposits. In your big porphyry deposits, you've got copper, 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 nothing. Copper, 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 nothing. And you hope that those spaces where there is nothing are small enough and narrow enough to carry, and you hope your grades carry, you know. And, and he said, I just went in there. Just turning page after page after page, and everything was the same. Everything was the same. Oh, a little up, a little down, a little up, a little down. And then he says, I was looking at the core, and there's kind of all this sheet of veins and things like this. You know, this, this shouldn't be any gold here. And he'd go back to the log, and the log said there was gold there. And he said, something, something's wrong. He did never, he never did say that it was salted. Because he said if somebody salted it, he said they did a fantastic job. He was afraid that the logs were, that somebody fudged the logs. Somebody forged the logs is what he was afraid of. But he also looked at the core. He looked at the, he looked at some core. But how could everyone else have missed it? I mean, herd mentality. Yeah, but they're geologists. They should, he could not, how could he be the only because, one? Because he had, I don't say this in the paper, he had the balls to stand up and say, I don't think it's there. That would be a great thing to say. You I mean, want, he had the balls to come to me. Oh, you can, yeah, you can say it. He had the balls to come to me and say, Peggy, I don't know what it is. I don't have the answer. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. Okay, and you know, so I mean, there's other projects here now that other people are working on. That I mean, he before he passed away two years ago, um, you know, he would tell me he said, and I don't want to name names. He 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 would say, they're gonna find out the same thing we found out when we owned it. They're gonna find out that uh, it's a stock work. It's spotty. They can get great assays. When they model it, the, the the programs, the modeling programs, run everything kind of together. They smear all the gold together. But when you go in to mine it, it's the grade, instead of the grade being 0.1 ounces to the ton, it's 0.06 ounces to the ton, or 0.04 ounces to the ton, and all of a sudden you're not making it. Okay. Did he work with you right from the very beginning? How did you find him? How did you find each other? How did we find each other? Well, I, when, when I left, I started, I came to Canada working for the Ontario Research Foundation. I had a number of clients, and they said, Peggy, why don't you go out and start your own research and development firm, because the only one at the time was Lakefield. So I went across the road, and I rented a building, and I started, I went and borrowed, put up my own money, I went and borrowed 25 thousand dollars from Bank of Montreal and I went and opened my doors and started my research firm and because I was pretty innovative and I had a lot of cutting-edge technology because I studied it a lot I got a lot of clients and at that point in time um, I had probably 75 to 100 mining companies that I was doing work for. I had 40 people on staff, we had a 40,000 square foot facility, a complete pilot plant group, and so two guys from Toronto came out, and it was the old Gairdner family from Gairdner and Company, old, old brokerage house, they came out to see me and they said, Peggy, you're working for all these mining companies, 
flow through has kind of just come into being in Canada, you must see a lot of stuff. Don't you see a lot of projects that people walk away from, that maybe you've done some work on? I said, yeah, I see them all the time. And he says, well, let's, I'd like, and you know, and I've seen you present, and you can present well, and you talk well. Why don't you, why don't we set you up in business, running publicly traded companies? So they had this shell company, Neptune. And so I said, well, what do I do? And so they told, you know, they said, okay, and I brought somebody else in to help run my research facility. Okay, well, we're going to go out and you need to find a project. So I went through all my list of all these projects and I had a guy who was working for me and he knew of a project that Echo Bay had turned down. Um, that had been, this, you know, had been explored back in the 40s, which was Colomac. And Echo Bay had looked at it and turned it down, and so we got together, and he says, maybe we should look at this one. So at that point in time, how could I go out and do this stuff without a geologist? I had to have a geologist. We were all metallurgists. We were engineers. We were environmental engineers. We were process engineers. So I called up a friend that I had in Toronto, with one of the major mining companies, who was a geologist. And I said, I need a geologist. How do I find a geologist? And he says, I need an experienced geologist. I need, I need one that's seen things. Plus, I need one that knows the Northwest Territories, because this project's in the Northwest Territories. So don't, don't find me an American geologist. I need a Canadian geologist. I need a Canadian geologist from the Northwest Territories. He said, Peggy, you'll never believe it. Ross Burns walked through my door two days ago when Kaminko had a downsizing. They shut down their exploration way up in the north in the Arctic. He was in the Arctic. He's walking around Toronto looking for a job. I said, give me his name. You know, call him up for me. Tell him. So I met him at a Swiss chalet in Mississauga. And we sat down and we just... We were two peas in a pod. He knew the Northwest Territories. He knew how to do exploration up there. He'd never heard of the project that I had. He went home, he studied it, he said, well, give me a job. I'll be to work the next day. And he came out, and so together, Ross pulling the slide projector down Bay Street, and me with this group of brokers, all right, we went out one afternoon at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and by the time we came home at 9 o'clock at night, we'd raised $8 million of flow Five presentations. Ross pulling the slide projector, me waving the arms, him talking about the geology. We raised $8 million of flow and that was our start. What year would that have been? That would have been 1987. Okay. So how old were you then? Well, I was born in 53, so... Okay. But young. Young. 20s? Late 20s. Late 20s. Late 20s. <laughs> that takes a lot of guts. I mean, there I was because I was making my income, you know, I, and my research firm. Yeah, I was making good money, I, you know. Back then, fifty, seventy-five thousand dollars a year, you know, after tax, you know, because you're running your own firm, you're running your own business. I, you know, I felt like I was doing real well. Owned a house in Mississauga. Things were going well. My, my ex-husband at the time was working for Kilbourne as a process engineer and a mechanical engineer. And 
things were just glorious. Now I'm on the mining scene. Now I'm now I'm down with the wolves. And so of course we developed Colomac. We drilled off a million ounces. We went to Bank of America. Bank of America gave us a 120 million dollar loan. Put it into production. We hired Kilborn to do the engineering. I mean we were just off to the races. But he he remained my business partner until the day he died. Until the day he died. And I mean he was we were still sifting all these properties. We're still. I mean, it must drive you crazy to see that you had the nose and now a lot of these things are... Oh, drives me absolutely crazy. I think the true telltale was last night, we went to Peru night, because I know a lot of people from Peru from my days down there. And before we went, um, I, I, we'd been at the Yukon party drinking, and... and and then we had to go to Peru night, and I said I can't, I I can't go to Peru night without putting some food in my tummy. So I met Mike Page, who's my VP Exploration, who really has taken Ross's place. I mean, I I met Mike in the Sigma Lamat days. He was the consultant that came in for the Russians, and I have huge amount of respect for Mike Page. And then Mike and I did the Caribou deal together, and. With, with Ross was still around, but we were all involved in, in Caribou. And Kim Tyler was there, and Richard Meschke, who's been around, Richard Meschke, who's been around the industry for a long time. And Mike said to me, hey, everybody knows you. He said, we went to this Yukon thing, everybody knows you. How does everybody know you? I said, well, when you've been involved with maybe 200 projects, 150 properties, you've done due diligence all over the place. Um, probably over the course of me operating, maybe I've had 5,000 employees. I know I never had any more than 2,000 at any one time, but probably gone through 5,000 employees. People walk up to me, I know you won't remember me, but I was your grade control geologist at Pamor in 1992 or something, 1993. You know, and I do, I remember a lot of them because we were a very... Uh, we were a very close company, and I spent a lot of time at my operations. I spent a lot of time underground and in the pits. And it drives me nuts when I see somebody has Red Mountain. Somebody now has Columbac. Somebody, uh, I mean, when the sale of Sigma Lamac, when Sigma Lamac was sold to Eldorado for that kind of money, I just went, you know? And I begged. You know, when I was CEO of that operation, I begged my controlling shareholder, who was, they, they were a Russian group. Which one? It was Max Finsky. Is that the same one at Sigma? Uh, yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, Sigma Lamac. I begged him. I begged him. I said, this is a huge exploration play. This is a huge, no, 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 no. I want gold production, and I want gold production now. And I said, huge exploration play. I said, you know, well, you know, we can bring somebody else in to run this thing and get the gold out of the ground. And I said, we got to get more exploration done here. We've got to do more exploration. Well, as what happened is, is they, I resigned as the CEO because I couldn't work for these people. And they took it on. They couldn't get the gold out. They stripped the Russian assets away from the Canadian assets. They filed the Canadian assets in. Integra bought it. What did Integra do? 
what Peggy wanted to do. Exploration. Exploration. Explore, explore, explore. Got enough ounces together, pulled it together. The property that Integra, the original property Integra had, I went to them. I wanted to buy it for 10 cents a share, 15 cents a share. Integra was trading for 15 cents a share. I said, two million bucks. We can take the whole thing. No, 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 no. You've got enough on your hands. We don't need any more property in the Valdor camp. And they turned around and put the whole thing together and sold it off to Elra. I mean, I mean, I, I wake up in the morning at 4.35 in the morning and I turn on my phone and I get all of news, all the mining news, I get your news, I get all the news from all of the mining journal, everything comes across and I look at this stuff and I say, oh my God, oh my. But your detractors would say, well, how come you couldn't survive with these great properties and why do these mines go bankrupt, right? That's right. So what would you say to all of them? I think because what I would say is that everybody has some winners and everybody has some losers and that I probably took more risk. I probably took more risk than 90% of, 95% of the mining executives out there. I look at people that are running some of these senior companies and they don't know they, they don't have any idea. They have CFOs. They have, they've never had to go in and they've, they've never had to go in and land a DC-3 on the ice and deal with these things. They've, they've come up, they've come up through Bay Street. They've come up through senior positions in the mines. And they just don't, they don't, I took too much risk, I think. I think we just took too much risk. Remember these financial institutions, whether they be the streaming institutions now, they just change their names, they don't, you know, they, but whether it's called streaming now or whatever it's called. I mean, two of them came up to our booth at Stratabound and said, Peggy, don't you have a project that we can loan you some money? I mean, we want to loan you some money. <laughs> you know, don't it? You know, and it was, I'm, I'm exploring now. <laughs> I said I'm exploring now, and I'm going back to my basics, which was exploring when I started out in the business, and doing drilling off deposits and development work. But instead of me standing up and saying, I'm going to be the one that puts that in production. I'm not going to sell it out. I'm the one who's standing up saying, I think maybe I've learned my lesson. I think there's there's other people that can maybe do this better than I can do it and that have more financial wherewithal, more financial strength. I mean, I think that my niche at this point in time is in the development field. It's not in the production field. I also think that it's um, it, it, it allows me to sleep better at night. <laughs> But even when you set up Century, then Tamerlane, you still wanted to put these things into production, right? We so still wanted to put them in production, yeah. So even after Royal Oak and all that stuff, you still were determined to do that we model. Were we were still determined, although with Tamerlane, it wasn't going to be putting in production by ourselves. I mean, that's why we were speaking to three large Japanese companies. And that's why we didn't just want an off-take agreement with a company. We wanted ownership. I mean, that's why 
when we got so far down the road with one of the big Japanese companies, it was, you know, we'll, you know, we want your deep pockets standing there. I'd learned my lesson by then. That's why I took the Russian investor in at Signal Mac. I mean, everything, you know, in your early days of taking on an investor and all, I mean, they were going to make, they were, they, they bought Etrushkin and they were going to, and then they turned around and they sold it and they were going to put Peggy in as the CEO of Etrushkin and, and Century and, and, you know, they were going to build this big company and they were going to stand in the background and they had money coming out there, the yin-yang, they had all this money and, I mean, I remember Mike Page, who's with me, and I sitting together and saying, Peggy, can you imagine with some fine, big, big financial backing what you could do in this industry? And I said, I know. I said, I know. I know all these things. I know where it all is. I know. Ross and I know where it is. You know, and then I think is what happens is, you know, the people with the money end up, people with money don't like to see hiccups. And yet we're in an industry totally of hiccups. hiccups. Okay, you know, I mean, every industry has it, but people that loan money don't have the, pe the, the, the people on staff with the mentality to work through things. There's a few, there's a few institutions and a few banks out there that can. Mm -hmm. All right, I mean. Patient money. Patient money. There's very little patient money. Yes. And back when I started, there was a lot of patient money. I used to go to Switzerland and sell shares of Neptune and people buy that stock and they just put it in their top left-hand desk drawer and they wouldn't think anything of it and and the same with Royal Oak and you know I'd be able to go back and one day it's a quarter the next day it's two dollars the next day it's six dollars the next day it's eight dollars there was a lot of patient money there there isn't any patient money here now because we have cryptocurrencies and we have cannabis cannabis and blockchain, and I, I mean, all these names that, you know, I, I just, yeah. that, are, that are all vying for those dollars that we need in this business. Mm -hmm. And also the whole New Age metals thing, I mean, that's where the money's going. Whether that's right or wrong, it, it's, it's a fact. Well, we try. I mean, I looked at lithium, you know, we... You and a million other people. Yeah. It's a good thing you didn't, maybe. We looked at, we looked seriously at Quebec lithium. And then the Chinese came in and bought, bought the Quebec lithium from um, Investissement Quebec. And we went to Tesla. I even went to Tesla, what, two years ago? That's cool. And sat with their VPs of development and talked to Tesla about whether it was going to be the carbonate or the hydroxide. I mean, I don't let any grass grow under my feet, but lithium. I remember Ross had died just then, and I remember Ross telling me, there's lithium all over this earth. Okay? It's, it's very common. It's just like very rare common. earths. It's, yeah, exactly. Just like rare earths. There's rare earths all over. I remember him talking about Thor Lake. And he's saying, Peggy, you know, we can keep exploring here and everything else. But, you know, us and the Chinese, this is back when the Chinese were our enemies. They weren't investing in Canadian companies. Hey, how can we go? How can we go up against the Chinese? You can't. And, and that, actually, that's what—that's uh, what they found at Avalon too. They big money 
when you start doing these complex separation plants and separating heavies from lights and all that stuff, you, 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 the money is just it's yeah. unreal. And in order to put the money in, you have to control the market. You have to control it. That just about does it for this week's episode of the Northern Miner podcast. Next episode, we'll wrap up our three-part series with Peggy Kent, especially for you folks in Yellowknife. The next interview goes deeply into the giant mine problems. It was just a big, big mess in the early 90s. Uh, you have strike action, murder, tremendous environmental liabilities, the bankruptcy of Royal Oak, just a big, big mess. So Peggy will deal with that head on. We also get into some, some lifestyle things and it's interesting just about what she did after Royal Oak. She left the mining industry for a couple of years and got into real estate in the Pacific Northwest. So we get to hear some anecdotes about that experience and, you know, I'll give you a little spoiler alert. She just found it boring being in real estate and, and uh, missed mining for sure and came back uh, shortly thereafter. So tune into that later in the week. Thanks and bye-bye.